Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Good morning, everyone. Sometimes life can be just like a great joyride. Everything goes well. We experience satisfaction and joy. All things are just going our way. And that's a time we think that we're really, really blessed, for good reason, too. But then sometimes, suddenly, we face things that we don't like. Setbacks, rejections, failures. It is in those times that we may be tempted to think that God has rejected us as well. Unfortunately, a number of us do that. We tend to think that he really doesn't care. We come to think that perhaps we fail to live up to his expectations, and, and so he responds to that by just leaving us in our troubles. God then becomes more like an angry Zeus than the compassionate and good shepherd that he really actually is. So we all need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of how much the Lord has done for us, how much he really cares, not just in general, like for all of his people, but personally and individually as well. Jesus talked about this and left a strong message of hope for all of us, indeed. We find that message in John chapter 10, beginning with verse 11. Let's read it together. I am the good shepherd, he said. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a higher hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, that they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. You know, we have all heard the metaphor of the flock and the sheep in reference to the church. This passage, however, is primarily about the great shepherd, the good shepherd of the church, as we have read. Let's review together and understand it a little more. In verse 11, the image is given of the good shepherd, an image that should have been familiar to Jesus' audience. I, I know that 
back in those days, the shepherds were not looked upon as being great people. They were looked down on uh, as being unclean, as being the uh, rejects of society, being the poor people. And yet, in the, in the culture of the Jews, two great people, Jacob and David, King David, had been, for at least for a time in their life, had been faithful shepherds. So being a good shepherd should have been understood as being one who cares for the flock and being willing to fight off predators at great personal risk. Look at what David was known for, having fought a lion, having killed a lion and a bear that were going after his flock, the flock that he was shepherding. And so a good shepherd would be protecting the flock and caring for the flock. For Jesus, being a good shepherd meant that he was actually going to lay down his life for our sake. Notice that this is the job of the shepherd, though, to protect the sheep, not of the sheep. The job of the shepherd is to ward off the attacks of predators and protect the sheep. That is not something that the sheep does by itself. All of the sheep do is to stay packed together to find protection in the closeness of the flock, which in and by itself would be a great image and, and perhaps a topic for another message. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a higher hand and is not concerned about the sheep. A higher helper, even in the Old Testament, in Exodus, for example, in chapter 22, is recorded that was not held responsible for attacks from wild animals. A higher helper worked to earn his wages, not necessarily to protect the sheep. He's not the owner of the sheep, and he would be frightened by the attack of a wolf or some other predator, and probably would be running to protect himself and leave the sheep vulnerable to the predator. So that makes a good picture for those religious leaders who do their job for gain rather than for the flock, who instead of serving the congregation that they serve, the, the synagogue that they serve, they serve themselves. They care more about themselves than the people who have been entrusted to their leadership. That, however, stands in great contrast with the attitude of a good shepherd who cares, feeds, and protects the sheep at great personal risk, even. You see, the point here that is made is that God is not like a hired hand. God does not regard us as a source of gain or something that he does or he cares for out of obligation. Nor does he look at his self-interest and what he gets out of having us faithful to him or 
part of his flock. God genuinely cares for you. And he has demonstrated how much he loves you by being willing to lay down his own life for you. We talked about this before, but it bears repeating. Do you realize what that means? That the very source of all life, the very God who is the source of every, every form of life, has been willing to lay down his own life for you so that you can be alive in him. He does not leave you behind, though, if for some reason you find yourself lost. A good shepherd cares about the sheep enough to go and look for the lost sheep, as Jesus mentioned in a, different, in a separate parable. A good shepherd does not curse you if you don't meet his expectations. He does not disown you if you make a mistake. If a lamb is having difficulty keeping up with the flock and, and, and starts running behind, the good shepherd takes the lamb and put him on the, puts him on the shoulder and walks along with the, with the flock. It does not punish or leave behind the one who is struggling a little bit. Instead, the good shepherd will go to great lengths to protect you. God goes to great lengths to protect you and to bring you back to the fold where you belong and where you can be safe. Verses 14 and 15. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. To know here in this context describes an intimate and, fel and, and faithful relationship with God. This kind of knowing here, as you can read it, is compared to the relationship between Jesus and the Father. It's a relational aspect. But it is also a relationship of genuine love in which we're called to participate a type of relationship in, that is based on love that we are to share in. A love that proceeds from the Father, through the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. The very love of God, as the Apostle Paul later stated, that is poured out in us and for us, that makes such a profound relationship possible. It is... A love that finds its perfect expression in the Lord Jesus laying down his own life for us. Because that love is defined in Scripture as a giving of oneself for the benefit of a beloved. Verse 16. Notice that. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Now, some think that this statement is in reference to scattered Israel, but I really don't think so. It is much more likely, and many more scholars are in agreement, that Jesus was referring to the Gentiles, whom he would then gather together with Israel as the people of God under the new covenant. <clears throat> it is one flock and reflects the New Testament statements 
that there is no male or female, there is no slave or free, there is no Greek or, or Gentile uh, and Jews, but we're all one in Christ Jesus. It is, in other words, a gathering of all of God's people under one flock. Notice the unity, the oneness stressed in here. Not many flocks, but one flock under one good shepherd. Not many leaders, but one leader, Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation, the head of the church. Any faithful human leader is an under-shepherd. And he will not take the role of a shepherd because he knows that the role of, of the shepherd belongs to Jesus Christ himself, who is the head of the church. Any faithful human leader will point you not to himself then, but to Christ himself, our Lord. The fact that we may not all be gathered in one place, that the fact that, we, that the church, the, the, the body of Christ, is scattered in many places, <clears throat> or that we may have diverse backgrounds, does not at all hinder the oneness and the unity of the body of Christ, the church. In fact, if anything, it enriches the church as we look up to our head, Jesus Christ himself, and find ourselves to be one in him, even though we may be different. We may have different nationalities, different cultures, different ways of expressing our worship for the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, there is one body, one church, one Lord, one Savior, one head of the church, one great shepherd. But notice the care, the compassion. And the joy that is represented by this unifying act, bringing all of God's people together as one. God doesn't say here that I will bring them together if they pass some challenge or some test. There are no challenges here. There are no tests to, to overcome, to be accepted. And it is not the sheep that brings itself into the fold, but the shepherd the shepherd who goes out that seeks them and brings them in safely. If you are drawn to be part of that flock, it's because the Lord himself is seeking you out and he's inviting you to come into the safety of the fold and the safety of that flock. It is not the sheep that goes in search for the shepherd, but it's a shepherd the searches for the sheep. Verses 17 and 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Now, brethren, Far from being a gory description of a, bloody, a bloodthirsty God, this statement points to the fact that the love of God is perfectly expressed in the life and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God the Father loves Jesus because he lays down his life as an expression of God's love. 
Scripture defines love as a giving of oneself for the benefit of a beloved. And Jesus Christ here modeled that love of God in the ultimate giving, the giving of his very life for us, who are his beloved. So God loves Jesus Christ, not just because he died, but because he loved to the point of giving his very life for those who are under his care. And that is the perfect expression, the ultimate expression of the giving of oneself that is God's love. Jesus himself in John 15, 13 stated, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Notice how deep and profound that is, but also notice that amazing statement contained here in verse 18 of John chapter 10. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. That's an important statement. It, it is a key theological point, in fact, because Jesus here is not presented as a victim of anything. He's not presented as a victim of a Jewish plot, although the Jews were plotting against him. Nor is he presented as a victim of Roman cruelty, although it was the Romans who crucified him. But he's presented here as the one who lays down his life of his own initiative. He offered his life voluntarily, intentionally, of his own authority, and in harmony with the will of the Father. And he did that. He did it for you, so that you may find the ultimate joy of an eternal fellowship with him, so that you may be receiving the ultimate peace and fulfillment in what he is offering to you. So will you not accept this priceless gift? It is priceless indeed. He loves you so much that he lived for you. He loves you so much that he died for you. He loves you so much that he rose for you and that he's ministering for you and to you even today. And brethren, you can trust him. And as you trust him, and as you put your life in his hands, you will find your rest in him. So when things go well, well, let's be grateful indeed to the good shepherd who is providing peace and green pastures for us. But when things don't quite go the way we, we think they should go, that's when we don't want to forget that the Lord is not abandoning us or rejecting us, that his love is not dependent on our circumstances. He will be out there looking for us to make sure that we're ultimately safe and protected in his flock. Far from being a demanding, capricious Zeus-like God, our God is gracious. He is merciful, he is compassionate, he is caring and faithful. And in his care and faithfulness, sometimes God allows us to experience the consequences of sin. Our sin, the world's sin, 
society's sin. But he is a good shepherd. He ultimately is the one who protects us, who protects you, who saves you and holds you dear, no matter what the circumstances may be today or may have been in the past. So what does this passage call you for? It calls you to respond to his graciousness and to let yourself be cared for and be protected by his love as you respond to him and in full trust you place your hand, your, your life in his hands, surrendering to him, yes, but knowing that the good shepherd will lead you ultimately in green pastures. God bless you.